and you know I, I want to flag up the fact that people often say oh you know I'm, I'm not a public speaker and yet they will speak happily in a conversation power to live more with joe dodds welcome to the power to live more podcast all about productivity organization well-being energy and resilience I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello, my name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Joe is interviewing Susan Heaton-Wright. Joe and Susan have known each other online for a good long while and Susan recently interviewed Joe for her podcast Superstar Communicator. Susan is an impact communications and speaking trainer for emerging leaders and the creator of the Superstar Communicator program. She is an international speaker, the MD of a of award-winning music company, Viva Live Music, podcaster and a former prize-winning international opera singer. She delivers seminars, workshops and individual training for many companies including AstraZeneca, Shell, Microsoft, AXA and Quintiles. As a CPD accredited speaker, she regularly delivers speeches and seminars to lawyers, accountants and finance professionals. She is regularly interviewed on BBC Radio 5 Live, BBC Two, local radios and international podcasts. Susan has contributed to articles in Forbes, The Guardian, Huffington Post, Thrive Global, The Scotsman and Trade Publications. Susan is a Fellow of the Royal Geographical Society, the Royal Society of Arts and the Incorporated Society of Musicians. She leads a project of musicians in Greece annually to deliver music workshops to refugees in Athens as part of the Love Without Borders charity. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Susan Heaton-Wright of Superstar Communicator. Welcome Susan, great to have you with me. Welcome, thank you very much for having me. It's been uh, great to talk to you again, or will be great to talk to you again. I've uh, been interviewed by you recently. Uh, we've just spent uh, ages catching up after Christmas and uh, we thought we'd better get on with the interview. So I can see this is going to go well. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> so start telling us a bit about you, what you do and where you do it. Right. My business is Superstar Communicator, website superstarcommunicator.com. And what I do is empower people to create impactful performances when they speak and when they're having conversations in business. And I work with people remotely. So from my home, I can do webinars, one to one training, but also I go into companies and work with them with workshops or work one-to-one with individuals and also I speak. Which you would expect I guess because <laughs> that's what yeah. you're teaching people as well. <laughs> as I was saying that I thought that's a bit of a silly thing to say but I do speak and get paid for that as well. Yeah but you know some people do teach things that they don't really do so it's good to know that there's that uh, integrity to your offering. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what every time I speak I learn something and mm. it's 
else that I can include and say, you know what? I was speaking last week and it didn't go as well as it could have done because ABC. Yes. And I'm being totally honest and vulnerable and authentic. And I like to hope that people will respond to that in a positive way. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I um, as you know, I help home based coaches and consultants with being successful and living more. But I also am a, a corporate consultant. And part of the reason for that is exactly what you've said, that I'm, I'm sort of, you know, a jobbing consultant experiencing the same things that uh, the people that I work with are as well. So that I don't sort of lose that sort of grip of, of reality, I suppose. So uh, I completely, completely get that. So um, and where are you based as well? And, and are you based from home? I am. I have a home office. I'm yeah. based just north of Welling Garden City, so I'm about half an hour on the train from central London. Lovely and easy to get to the rest of the country. Well, apart from me, uh, not apart from me, uh, different from me, where I'm sort of stuck in Kent because of the M25. Oh, M25. Hey. I don't call it stuck. I love it here, but uh, yeah, I don't think anyone comes to Kent because it's around the M25 all through London. Or yeah. across the channel, of course. But you've got that wonderful train line that goes through Kent. Yes. It does stop in Kent before you go to France. Yes, the Eurostar, exactly. But also just the high speed. I, I often meet people at events in London and they'll they'll be from like Brighton or somewhere and they'll say, where have you come from? And I'll say, oh, you know, Hythe, Nifexton in Kent. And they'll go, oh, must have been a terrible journey. And I'm like, no, no, it would be way better than yours because mine's like an hour from my doorstep to St Pancras. Yours is about two hours and your train will have broken down or been delayed or both. Yeah, it does work very well. And, uh, you know, we were laughing over Christmas, New Year. We we were skiing in France and met our French friends on the um, slopes for Christmas Day lunch. And exactly a week later, they were sat down at our dining room table having New Year's Day dinner with us uh, because they actually live in North France. And we just hop across and, you know, vice versa to keep, you know, keep in touch with each other um, because we're that close. So uh, it's, a, it's, it's a great place to be, really. Uh, that's the end of my um, sales pitch for Kent. <laughs> right. So I guess back to you, Susan. Tell us why you do what you do because you've got a really interesting background and it wasn't always about speaking albeit I'm sure you'll you'll say it was about communicating but in a different way so tell us a bit about why you do what you do. I've used my voice all of my working life as an adult so originally I was a teacher for a couple of years and my vision at the time when I left university was that I was going to see the world by teaching in different countries and that at the end of the 80s the 90s was a very safe way for women to travel I think you would agree with that but unfortunately mm. um, a series of you know very traumatic um, and difficult events meant that I had to come back from Kenya where I was teaching. Um, I was involved in a car crash and I was left for dead and I had multiple life-changing injuries. So I came back from Kenya with no job, no money and, um, you know, fighting for my life and having to spend quite some time recovering from that physically and mentally. Um, but a chance situation meant that I went along to an an audition for one of those big London choirs. Um, somebody said, oh, come along with me, you know, and this was a year after 
this had all happened. And I had to audition, which was pretty scary for me because I wasn't a soloist. And the conductor stopped me. And this conductor is now an international name. I won't mention him. Um, and said, you really need to get your voice trained because it's it's quite special. Um, wow. <laughs> so how old were you at this time? I was 23. And you'd, so, you'd sung already. So you'd sung in choirs when you were younger and so on. But this was this yeah. was part of your sort of recovery from what you've said. Yeah, I mean, I, I always sang as a child and played the violin. So I had that background, but certainly not to. I would always be in the background, which was very much mm. me. And um, so I got a singing teacher. Eventually, I went to music college as a more mature student. So I didn't I wasn't going at 18 or 21. And I got scholarships to study there. I had a scholarship to study in Italy and then was a jobbing singer. Um, um, and I sang in Europe and United States as well as throughout UK as a soloist. Um, then when I had my son, it you, the listeners, will understand what I mean about this because you are home-based entrepreneurs. And being a singer is similar in that it's just you. <laughs> Yes. You don't have anybody that can do it for you. And childcare issues are one of the challenges. And when you have to be almost as fit as an athlete, physically and mentally and the preparation, I found that very difficult. I felt I was compromising all the time. And in the end, I thought, you know, why am I doing this? I've chosen to have my son. Um, and yet, you know, I, I just don't feel that it's working for me. So I, I retired. But I, I had met lots of people who were not from the music profession who kept saying to me, how is it that you can project your voice? How is it that, you know, you've got presence when you walk in a room? Um, how is it that, that you really look as though you're listening um, in a conversation that you really engage people? So it made me realize that there was possibly a need for those skills and then I started asking people that were in employment what sort of challenges they had with communication and um, and went from there and I should flag up that as a schoolgirl, I was one of those kids that didn't speak up in class I would be so nervous about speaking up in class I went to a WH Smith interview age 16, didn't say a word um, when they asked the questions and they didn't even bother to phone me to say I hadn't got the job. Um, and at, at school, I was a prefect and paid one of the other girls out of my own pocket money to lead the prayers when it was my turn. I know you're just laughing. And I say this because I know exactly what it's like to be so overwhelmed and nervous and just feel that I can't do it. And yet I went on, you know, at music college, I was surrounded by people who had been the diva since the year dot with their families mm -hmm. running around telling them how wonderful they were. And it was just like nature to them. So I had to quickly acquire all of those skills. And looking back, I realized I'd never been um, given those skills or, or permission to use those skills. So firstly, you know, a great example of what, what uh, I often talk about, which is that, you know, your life doesn't necessarily 
pan out as you expected or, or you don't have to know what you want to do in the first place because what you end up doing is often completely different to what you started with and I just think this is a, a great example of that but but my yeah my next question is tell me about that development of of that those skills that you hadn't been taught or that you hadn't been encouraged to to use because that's what you're now teaching other people to do clearly you went through a transition where you learnt that when you were you know old enough to 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 know that that's what you were learning and to be able to reflect on it you know often as you say we learn these things when we're when we're young and we can't really remember how we learned to do them it just yeah. happened sort of thing or we think it came naturally or whatever but you actually had to learn it so what was that transition like to sort of tell us a bit more about that i think one of the one of the key things was permission that it was okay to be up there and people looking at you because unfortunately i was brought up in a family that I shouldn't show off. I shouldn't be centre stage and, and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So that was a, a massive mindset um, thing to that, that it was absolutely OK for me to be centre stage with the lights on me. Mm -hmm. um, but also really knowing how much power you have over an audience in a positive way. I don't mean in a manipulative way, but how um, the way that you stand, how the way that you your first appearance on stage or you know if you're a speaker or somebody who is in a meeting the first thing that you say or how you enter the meeting room because people are subconsciously going to pick up on those things yes yeah and, <clears throat> and all things yeah. like oh yeah come on come on all you know body language pacing yourself um the way that where you look for example um, now, it, it depends on the size of the room. If, if if we were in a conversation in real life, we would be having eye contact. But if I was speaking, you were in the audience and there were 200 people in the audience as well, you would use your eye contact, for example, and your body language in a very different way to make sure that you that everybody felt they were engaged with you. So that's what I was just about to ask you about, actually, because... Um, I speak and I know that I speak by actually uh, creating eye contact and building a yes. rapport with individuals in the room. I see a lot yes. of speakers who don't do that and just speak sort of generally out there. And some of them, the ones that I particularly don't like, where they speak to a corner of the ceiling at the back of the room. Absolutely. <laughs> I had a university lecturer that used to do that and it was always his top left hand corner so our right hand corner yeah. and it was really really weird and yeah. it's almost like singers you know the, the type that wallow and they close their eyes yeah yeah um <laughs> it's exactly the same thing that um you're closing something where you can engage that I haven't said that in in a very good way you are closing a window from which you can engage with your audience and is that the the key because you could say that some of those people as you know singers close their eyes and you know they're, they're sort of singing to themselves aren't they really <laughs> or certainly they or, or or certainly they're well, they're singing that. regardless of what their audience is doing so I think the re the reason because I've never worried about standing up in front of hundreds of people because I think I'm speaking to 
in lots of individuals individually yeah. and I would look at their faces and if they're responding in the right way then I know I'm saying the right stuff and if they're not then you know I adjust accordingly sort of thing so I never see it as a as a sort of sea of people I see it as a load of individuals which is why my, my daughter gets really annoyed with me because when I'm in rooms where people are performing I'm particularly enthusiastic and smiley and if it's a, a you know somebody telling jokes or even saying slightly funny things that aren't that funny I will tend to overly laugh which annoys her and I, I keep saying to her, you know, don't underestimate the the power of having one person in the room that is absolutely encouraging you throughout a whole talk. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that's why I'm that person. Yes. <laughs> and, and another thing that's really useful to think, I'm sure you come across this as well, to if, if there are people that look disengaged either are they fiddling around with their phones or they look grumpy or they you know their body language is very closed you never know what shit is going on in their lives yeah and you don't know whether they've just not got the the brain power to be able to take in what you are sharing with other people or whether that is their their way of taking in information they might be taking notes they might be tweeting they might be cross that they're there that that actually they'd prefer to be doing their work or something else but don't judge people and don't judge mm. the success of your speech based on their immediate response no no well and also the fact that you know if you have got a hundred people in a room and there's a number of people behaving in that way even if it was that they're turned off and not interested you know you don't want to let down the other 90 people absolutely. or 50 people or whatever or even three people who might be getting something from it absolutely I, you know that, that's you, there were so many things that I learned at, at music college and, and when I was a, a musician and one of them was I remember old diva saying to me um you know remember there's one person that you could just make their night even if any everybody else is bored that one person that's the important thing mm. Mm. that's really in, in, um, important to know and sort of to understand so so you you went to music uh, college you 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 mixed with all these people and you and you started performing um then changed your life to to, to what you do now um what, what what do you think you'd have said to yourself like you know when you were 15 18 or, or when you were paying your person if you'd known that, that that was going to be you oh good old Kate she took the money very happily <laughs> that's all I'll say do you know what my brother and they, this is a good measure he cannot believe what I do now he said you you used to just stay in your room listening to music reading um and and you know doing your own stuff you never came out of your room typical teenager um, yeah. and what are you doing now and actually maybe his voice maybe his comment is better than mine yeah because he's seen that that massive sort of transition yes so so let's, let's think about that whole sort of introversion extroversion thing I was having a conversation with somebody this week and saying how um I my, for most of my life I thought introversion extroversion was about being noisy or quiet um, and that because I'm quite noisy when I'm with people that therefore I was extroverted and that's what a lot of people think I am but actually now I know it's about where you get your energy from um, I know that I can go and do noisy and I do do noisy because I feel like I have to when I'm in a room of people I have to be part of making that room 
lively, but it takes a lot of energy. And I spend a lot of time on my own reading and not talking to people and not answering the phone <laughs> and, and things like that. So I've I've realised that that's you know that that's the situation. And a lot of people who speak, the general consensus is that they must be extroverts, but actually the vast majority of them from the research I've done and the, the the things I read and people I speak to, I think are probably introverts and that it takes quite a lot of energy to do what they do. But, and that, you know, and I don't know why it would be that that, that, that tends to be that a lot of introverts do speak, but what are your thoughts on, on that whole topic? I just did a bit of a summary. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm an introvert and people don't believe it. Mm. Um, and like you, I, I can play extrovert, um, but I need time to recharge and, and spend time on my own. Um, and that's absolutely fair enough. There are plenty of performers, whether they're speakers or musicians, singers who are actually introverts, but they know mm. how to go into the zone and they know when the environment is right for them to be extrovert. I think for me um and this is not based on any anything scientific uh but i think that we adapt to different situations so it's not um a black and white binary introvert extrovert we can play and um adapt to different situations it might drain our energy more being introverts to be in extrovert situations but if we can manage our energy and know that right i've got to leave now i've got to go and have a break to recharge then that's okay mm -hmm. yes yeah and um, there's a lot of um advice around things like if you go to conferences building in that time where you're on your own so you can get the energy to sort of carry on with the next bit and that sort of thing I think it's interesting do you think there's there's more introverts who are doing the the, the sort of stage stuff whether that be performing as as musicians or or speakers or do you think it's probably you know 50 50 and we're or you know it's just that, that there is no pattern to it it just feels like I hear a lot of people talking about the introversion thing but then standing on stage and and so I then wonder what what draws people to do that but I don't know whether it is out of kilter or whether it is just you know anybody I really and everybody know. I really don't know it'd be interesting to do some research on that mm. um and and to have some proper research not just our mates who are probably introverts <laughs> like us yeah <laughs> um but I I, I would imagine that if you are introverted and you know as well as I do that going on stage, whether that's performing or speaking, in, is quite a high stress situation. But introverts can manage that situation to be in their safe psychological zone mm. and be okay in that. But I would, uh, but certainly for me, a big noisy party I can't manage that in the same sort of way because of mm. the noise you know just the whole you know the the oral stimuli from that is just too much for me yeah and but that is different from being a speaker or performer because you are able to control certain elements of that yes yeah it's quite noisy when I speak but that's just because I'm quite loud <laughs> no. 
Yeah, but you know the other background noise, everybody yeah. in the room, and you know all of that stuff. Yes, yeah, no, I agree. I, I was talking again to somebody this week I met, and I was saying about having been to a um, a networking sort of conferency type thing a few good few years ago now, and there were like two hundred women in the room, and I just said said I had to stand at the side of the room, and I was thinking, why am I here? This is you know like ridiculous. It's like I mean, I've got quite a high-pitched voice when I get excited, but it, it was like the decibel in the room was it's just scary. And I thought, well, why did I come? And I, and I knew why I went. There was a specific reason that I'd gone to the event for the for the subject and everything else. But it, it did help me to remember that, you know, those sorts of big conferences perhaps aren't something that, or if I go, I have to be really clear of why I'm going rather than just thinking it's what I should do or you know that it'll be fine sort of things it, it's interesting but again the other thing we we're talking about was how you know as you get older how much you you start to understand about yourself that it would have been so much easier to understand years ago wouldn't it oh definitely <laughs> absolutely and i think that there's more out there now so we can read about it and and perhaps people are more honest about how they feel i don't know mm. if you, you're brought up like this you know you know grin and bear it having well, my my parents weren't even boomers. They were the silent generation. But that there was that boomer type of messaging, you know, come on, grin and bear it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, pick pick yourself up from that when when actually maybe it wasn't the right decision to make. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us how you work with your clients and, and what that means in terms of the shape of your your days and your weeks. Okay, so um, from a point of view of working with my clients, I use my own trademarked um, program, Superstar Communicator, um, on different aspects of communication, whether that is understanding your audience so that you can create compelling messages through to the performance. So there are some people that perhaps just aren't impactful in meetings for example because their body language is so closed and they haven't got any eye contact with anyone so when they speak no one takes any notice of them um, but i work with people in different ways i can work virtually um, either w with webinars which my webinars are cpd accredited so i'm able to offer them to a number of organizations but also one-to-one -one, um, virtually and i work face-to-face -face, either individually or in teams so workshops or master classes lovely so so what does that mean in terms of of getting stuff done in your business in you know what each day looks like and 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 how you make sure that you're doing the things that you, you need to do because i think one of the things for us as home-based business owners with clients around the world or also working from uh, corporate into sort of you know non-corporate small business or whatever is you know every day is different <laughs> it's a real challenge to stay focused how do yes. you um do that in your in your business well, one thing that I do on a Monday morning is that I spend a couple of hours on the business, working out um, what I'm going to do that week, um, what essential things I need to do, um, business development, um, delivery of, of training, whether that's individual, virtual, face-to-face, -face, 
all of those things, preparation for things, phone calls I need to make. Um, and then at the end of each month, I review what I've done to see how far, far forward I, I've got for my overall target for the year. But I make sure that I have a couple of hours each week when I'm working on the business because it can be very easy for that time to be overrided by X client who needs this done now. Um, mm. And actually, it's very, very important to be working on the business as well as in the business because otherwise you can lose your direction. Yeah. And did that come through something sort of a, not having done that or through um learning or or somebody helping you to do that well because not everyone does that it's and not everyone uses that terminology as well but you know a lot of people do just sort of do and don't take that time to stop and and sort of take that higher level view of what you're doing where where's that come from i think that's come from um really from business training that I had I was lucky enough about well 16 months ago to have some free consult consultancy um, from Exemplas which is based in Hertfordshire for business development and it came exactly the right time because it was just after my my son had gone to university and we looked at how we could structure the week and really do the, the sort of helicopter work, looking at the business every week and reviewing that. And also I use a passion planner, which um, way, hey, don't get too excited about it. It's just <laughs> one of the <laughs> business, uh, business calendars. And it actively encourages you to review the last month, review the last year. Now, what are you going to do to move forward to get to your targets? Mm -hmm. And, you know, a few years back, I don't know if you've come across Carrie Green, um, the female entrepreneur. For a while, I was a member when it was about £30 a month. And she actively encouraged you to um, plan things in a monthly way. I learned a lot from her. <clears throat> Yeah, I think I might have been on her mailing list. Her name does ring a bell. So sort of moving to thinking about learning and improving because your business has changed and your focus, obviously, what you even do has changed a lot over the years. Um, you've had phases that you just mentioned uh, things change when you, your son arrived. It's changed again since he's gone to university. Uh, how, how have you continued to, to learn and, and improve yourself and what you do? I am really interested in technology. I'm not a techie, but anything to make my life easier. And I always get very excited by new things. And there are a couple of new things that I'm now using um, that are very, very helpful. Um, and that stimulates me. Also, listening to audiobooks, you know, the audible books, business mm -hmm. ones, I find very helpful. And occasionally I go to business lectures. Um, I'm a member of the Professional Speaking Association. And so there are other speakers that are delivering content, which can be very, very helpful. Um, and, you know, I re read the newspapers, believe it or not, online. Um, but there are certain sections. For example, 
The Sunday Times, the style section now has some things on career development on a Sunday and they're really, really interesting. And, and it just helps me to think about what I'm doing, what I might say to other people. Um, but yes, listening to listening to the radio, listening to podcasts, all, all Lovely. those. And you, Lovely. You talked about uh, being interested in, in technology and, and having some um, uh, tools that you're that you're using. What, what would your your uh, top three be? Of things that right. well I, I do use <laughs> I use Hootsuite um yep. so so I can make sure that there's some social media that's going out every day um I use a CRM system called Connectably and I was one of the original um one of the founder users oh, oh, Lucy thing wasn't it is that was that Lucy involved in that yes Lucy and Gareth and, mm -hmm. and and it's developed and it's been great being involved in that because you can give feedback. Um, yes. But the idea is that it's a CRM system that's that's connected to your zero. So for doing invoicing and also has a calendar. So for me, people often will book a time on my calendar. Mm -hmm. And that's synchronized and everything, which is really, really helpful putting it all in one place. I also use, and this is something that I very, very recently discovered, something called clipscribe.com. And Ooh, it's that's new to me. <laughs> Do tell. <Yeah. laughs> it's new off the press. I was very excited when I was recommended this. And again, it's still in the beta stage. So again, very exciting to be involved. You give feedback to the um, creator. And the idea is that you upload a video and it will put you can create a frame around it with a title and then it will generate the um, the words that you've said, the text. Okay. Now, you go in and double check so there aren't any howlers in there. <laughs> but essentially, it's a really neat, clear way that you can present a, um, a video and the words are going on there so people don't feel that they have to put the volume on. Yes, yeah, which is a, a big point. I'm, I'm not very good at watching videos at the best of times, but I love it when they've got writing on them and I don't actually have to listen to them. Exactly. So I, I felt that that was a, a real positive. So I've started using that. And what was it called again? Clip Scribe. So clipscribe.com. Clip yeah. okay. Lovely. Cool. And uh, yeah, so that that was your three, wasn't it? <laughs> it was missing, yes. Lovely, <laughs> lovely. <laughs> and just to finish off before we go to the last couple of questions, what what about top tips from from what uh, you're teaching your clients? Um, one of the things we sort of discussed before we came on was particularly about meetings. So let's talk a bit about um, how people can be. Uh, more effective in meetings because you know we, we we may not all be speakers but you know we we all need to meet people at times don't we absolutely and and you know I want to flag up the fact that people often say oh you know I'm, I'm not a public speaker and yet they will speak happily in a conversation and I think that once you're not talking to yourself you're public speaking but it's a <laughs> yeah, case 
Yeah, it's a case of scaling it up or down. But meetings, obviously, you want to be able to present the best version of you and your business to potential clients or existing clients, partners, all of those sorts of things. And um, I always use my superstar communicator model to think of this. The five areas are, let me think, their audience content, preparation, performance and voice. So if I think of those five things, I would try and work out who the audience are going to be, the other people in the meeting, what's mm. in it for them, why why are they there, what do they want out of the conversation, content from that. You can hone your content. You can perhaps, you know, adjust things to make sure that it will really engage them. Um, preparation, you know, doing your preparation, um, finding out the sorts of things that they will be interested in, practicing if necessary. Um, preparing yourself so that you're not nervous if you do get nervous before meetings. I'm doing this very, very quickly, by the way. Yes, performance, you know, really thinking about how you are engaging with others in a non-verbal way. So your body language, are you spending your time with crossed legs and crossed arms looking very defensive? Um, or do you um, have open body language and you use gestures, positive gestures, not naughty ones, um, and eye contact, because that can make a difference. And the voice, the way that I say this is that it's really important to make it as easy as possible for other people to listen to you and take in what you're saying. So if you speak too fast or you mumble or you've got a really, really strong accent, for example, um, it can make it more difficult for other people to take in what you say. So you might need to address that. Mm, mm. yeah some great top tips there thank you and as you said I do love the fact that you know as soon as you're not talking to yourself you are public speaking of some description <laughs> or another you like that one <laughs> definitely so, let's get a question. so what about those days when it all goes horribly wrong for you and you've had a bad day things aren't working out as you'd hoped how do you deal with those days do you know it we all have them don't we I think the best thing to do is to switch off your phone, switch off your computer, go for a walk or go for a swim or go to the gym or go and listen to some music, do some craft. I do all of those things, play my viola, all of those things. So switch off and use my brain in a different way. Um, certainly with with all of those things that I mentioned, um, because you're doing something else, your brain has the opportunity to put back everything in its place so that you're no longer stressed about it. Oh, I love that concept. Your brain putting everything back in its place. I do like that. I, um, I hmm. learned that, you, you know, obviously it was part of my rehabilitation. Um, hmm. For many years, I didn't drive up following my accidents. Yeah. Um, and. Ten years ago, I decided I wanted to drive again. That's a completely different podcast. And <laughs> a different thing because, yeah. you know, what I learned from that, and I went through hell and back psychologically. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I found was that if it was a difficult drive, um, I, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. And somebody taught me that if before you go to bed, you do a quiz 
or I do lots of crafty things, some, you, you know, a paper cutting or embroidery, you are focused on something really, really easy and calm. And the brain has the opportunity to get everything put back in place so mm. that you go to bed and have a good night's sleep. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. And lastly, then, those those days where you get to live more, that's where you get to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the things that you feel you should do or you have to do. What does that look like for you? I'm, I'm imagining more crafting and viola playing and so on. But <laughs> what's that day look like? Yeah, you know, spending time with my family, um, going for a lovely walk. Um, I love swimming in Lido. So in the summer, I spent a lot of time going from Lido to Lido. Um, I'm, I'm discovering more in the country and I've got a book to tick them off when I've visited them. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but all sorts of things like that that are just fun. And, you know, I go and see my parents because they're elderly now. My dad's got Alzheimer's. And I want to be able to enjoy that time with them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really nice to finish on. And um, yeah, going back to the, the Lido thing, I didn't know there was there were enough that you could make a list. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's, there is yeah. a book. I've got it by my side now called The Lido Guide. And <laughs> there, yeah, I know there are oh, well over 100 I think there are 130 Lidos all over the country that you can go and visit and then you can tick it off in your book. <laughs> oh, that is very cool. Oh, I'm impressed with that. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. It's been, it's been great, as expected, interviewing you. Uh, tell people how they can find out more about you and connect with you. Yeah, oh, please connect with me. My website is superstarcommunicator.com. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn. There's only one Susan Heaton, right? And I've also got a podcast. Am I allowed to say it? Um, of course. Of course. Yes. My podcast is Superstar Communicator. Original name, isn't it, really, given my company? Um, and um, it's all about uh, being able to communicate, particularly spoken communication, in an effective way to make sure that people take notice of you lovely thank you susan really appreciate your time that's my pleasure thank you very much for inviting me on this information is available in the show notes if you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash in this case 147 then you'll find them there this week i want to talk about yesterday a day where i had a call with one of the members one of the new members of power to live more calm and we were talking in general terms about what she's doing within her fairly new business. And then later in the day, we had one of our weekly calm calls, which is where the members get to speak to each other on Zoom. We have a bit of a catch up, see how we're all getting on and talk about any business questions that anybody has. And our new member in passing asked us to critique a paragraph from her newsletter that she was due to send out that she just uh, finished writing and it actually kicked off a really interesting discussion about the whole concept of defining your target market and then writing copy and content aimed at that market and aimed at the whole concept of the fact that people buy what they want not what they need and also 
we as business owners have a tendency to want to talk about our features, the features that we offer or the features of the product that we offer rather than the benefits. So uh, I think I've said before on here, Lisa Sasevich uh, used to talk about the fact that you should be selling the destination, not the plane journey. So we have a tendency to talk about all the bells and whistles, all the things that we give people when we're selling something to them. It might be videos and content and downloads and all that sort of stuff. But actually what we should be selling them is the end result, the transformation that we help them to achieve with whatever we give to them. So it's really interesting that uh, we started with, a, as I say, fairly innocuous, uh, how are you, what are you doing, how's the week going sort of conversation. And it ended up being quite a, a deep coaching conversation uh, with me and, and one of my other members particularly who had some really good ideas and thoughts to share uh, on the topic and as a result of that I went and created a new course on the membership site Power to Live More Calm about how to define your target market. I was able to provide some other resources to the member so that she can have a look at how she's writing in terms of her copy for her customers and then coincidentally I was walking today I'm dog sitting at the moment for my friend and I am going obviously on a two twice daily walk with the dog and listening to podcasts and catching up on podcasts whilst I do that and interestingly given the conversation yesterday there was a podcast that I listened to with James Schranko which was talking all about business analytics which is what the person yesterday uh, actually does for her business so I've got a resource to send her as a result of listening to that podcast today and it just made me think about how often fairly sort of innocuous conversations can lead into really in-depth coaching conversations but then quite often what happens is you sort of spot other resources and things that can help somebody around whatever that topic has been that you've been talking about and it's interesting you know I wonder if I'd listened to the podcast today not having had that conversation yesterday would I have remembered to flag it and share it with her or was it you know because we'd had that particular conversation yesterday we shall never know <laughs> but one of the advantages of the membership site that I'd already talked to her about when we had our call about her becoming a member in the first place was the fact that it's very individual when we're running a home-based business and we're looking to be successful as well as to live more and as you know that's where I talk about getting to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the stuff that you don't want to do it's not a one-size-fits-all and so one of the real benefits of the membership site and the way that we work together is that we can look very much individually at whatever it is that person wants to achieve and the circumstances that they're in in order to refer resources help with ideas and strategies and tips and that sort of thing so although I have quite a lot of content in terms of courses and materials on the membership site which are there in a sort of pull mentality rather than push i.e you take advantage of them if that's something that you need and you ignore it if it's something that you don't the one-to-one -one stuff the conversations the individual help that I offer and that the community gets involved with is very much focused on the individual and what their individual needs are and that was something that I was really keen to do with the membership site 
because all the stuff that I talk about around productivity, organisation, well-being and all, all the other principles of power is so dependent on your individual personality style and needs. There's definitely not one size fits all and that's certainly not how I like to work with my clients and members. So uh, yeah, just an, a reflection on the conversation yesterday and how a number of resources have now appeared in the membership site because I've created them <laughs> and also how as I said I'm finding other stuff to refer to the member that relates to the stuff that she's working on at the moment because it's in my mind because obviously we've had that conversation now. On another unrelated note I've had an email this week from Blueberry who are the people that I host the podcast with and they are celebrating International Women's Day, which is apparently on the 8th of March, with an award for the um, favourite woman podcaster. Uh, I don't know if it's of people who host with them or just people who podcast generally. Um, but I thought it might be fun to just mention that here in case you're enjoying the podcast enough to nominate me. <laughs> it's something that I wouldn't normally do at all but I just thought well you know these sorts of things don't happen unless you highlight them and flag them to people uh, so I thought what the hell I will uh, so they are asking for nominations by the 7th of March and that's 2020 if you're listening to this really late <laughs> and if you're interested and you do enjoy the podcast and you'd like to nominate me as your favorite woman podcaster then if you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash nominate joe then you'll be able to do that there so if you feel able to do that i'd really appreciate it as i said it's not the sort of thing i'd normally uh, even think to participate in ask people about or anything but um hey i'm just putting it out there so if you'd like to nominate me then it's powertolivemore.com forward slash nominate joe and again the show notes for this week's show are at powertolivemore.com forward slash 147 and we look forward to speaking to you next week use your power to live more